welcome back, or welcome if you are a first-time listener. This is Prefer Not To Say. My name is James Bunn. I'm a content creator. I produce and release music under the alias Boutique Paul. I'm one half of this show, and I also co-host another podcast, The K-Cut, which is a film podcast. Oh, my turn? (laughs) Yeah, I'm Greg, and I do things sometimes. Yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> he does things. <laughs> he, he's going to be getting in the habit of doing some things I, soon. <laughs> I, I just don't like titles and descriptors and stuff. <laughs> Feels too formal. Uh, I'm just so used to doing it on the K-Cut. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Since literally I'm like, hey, I'm James. I do these things. And it's just literally every single episode. Yeah. I'm more of a, this is what you get when you put a mic in front of somebody who has no idea what they're doing. But yet, it's still compelling because you got that smooth, velvety voice. I suppose. That's what I'm told. Uh, So for this episode, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things we kind of touched on in our return episode, but figured we might go into detail. Uh, I'm calling the episode a change of perspective because, obviously, the pandemic changed things for everybody. And, you know, there's a kind of a metamorphosis that we all sort of took during this, but... There were kind of some other changes that happened when we went off the air for as long as we did. And it was kind of snowballing when we were leading up to the hiatus. Because, I mean, as you said before, things got complicated, so we had to stop the show. And then once we stopped the show, we're like, oh, we'll come back in a few months. And then it ended up being over a year, which is never intentional. And it's kind of wild because we're, what, over two years since COVID started now? I think so. Something like that. I don't know, man. As soon as it started, I was just like, all right, I'm tuning out unless it's like grave danger, like really bad shit going on. Right, exactly. (laughs) Basically, I tuned out most of the pandemic until people were like, all the toilet paper is gone. And I was like, great. Now I can't wipe my ass. (laughs) And then we got laid off. And it's like, oh, I'm home now all the time. Uh, So, yeah. So, uh, I guess first time we're going to tackle my sort of evolution throughout this past year because more specifically I was always someone who prided themselves on being like an A plus worker for whatever company I was working at. And then I realized I've been wrong all these years and I should not have been doing it the way I was doing it. Yeah, that ain't it chief. And it really kind of came ahead to the last job I held. So, I mean, for the most part, I've never really held a job that long. I've only had two really long-term jobs. There's one when I worked at a kitchen at a hospital, and then my most recent job. And the one at the hospital was only, I don't even remember. I think that might have only been two years, maybe. So, last place I was there at six. And, you know, it over the years, I kind of realized why people indoctrinate people from a young age because if you can kind of get that iron grip they're not going to question anything when they get older but as soon as i started to get the more responsibilities and live the life of an adult i realized like hold up something's not right here yeah something's missing yeah and it it was more so at this job because you know i think and i think it also has to do with being 30 now but you know post High school, I was, you know, going to school. I went to school for a few years, you know, was wanting to do music. Still want to do music. I do music. I'm just not, like, making money off of it yet. But, you know, and it's just the typical trials and tribulations I went through. It's like, you know, relationships I probably should have, like, not been in and socializing with friends too much, not focusing. But I always was, like, really good at working. 
especially like in my early 20s. Like 2012, I had actually five different jobs, not simultaneously, but I worked five different places. And for most of the year, I had two jobs that, you know, simultaneously from like, I don't know, what was it from like May to like October, November or something like that. Didn't you have like two jobs on top of going to school at the same time? No, I had two jobs after I left school. Okay, that's what it was. Because at my last year of school, because I I didn't graduate, I wasn't going to spend the money on those generated classes because I learned what I wanted to learn. I just remember we never saw you for a while. <laughs> Man's just disappeared. Yeah, well, so it actually wasn't, yeah, it, when I was in school and working, that was kind of the thing because what happened there was I worked third shift and then had school in the morning. Oh, yeah. So that that was a big thing. That's where it's like I barely had any time. But in 2012, I worked two jobs and I still socialized all the time, which was kind of crazy because I was like, I was literally like, I worked at UPS from 11 to 2 in the morning, maybe get some sleep, work at Meyer from 9 to 4 or 5 or whatever, and then I'd, like, go hang out with people. Or, like, if it was the weekend, depending on, like, what day on the weekend, it was, like, I'd get out of work and then go hang out with people. Dude, I don't know how you can stomach all that, man. Like, I go to, I go to work and it blows out my entire social battery. <laughs> I think it was all the adrenaline because I was literally just unloading trucks. Hmm. Like after work, after working UPS, it was really hard for me to wind down because it was like three hours of nonstop throwing the trucks. So the adrenaline was still, there was no come down because I was like only a few hours into doing like hard labor and it was like a workout. So it was like, yeah, it was, it was rough. Like I had to like figure out a way to like, like calm myself down and go to sleep after that because it was like, you know, you know it's not like someone wearing myself out. It's like, all right, I'm really into it. Now I got to do more, but I'm like, it's two o'clock in the morning. What am I going to do? You know what? I, I think I get you. I think I know how you feel. Like when I was uh, delivering appliances, you know, spending 10, 12 hours a day throwing refrigerators around, get home, sleep for three hours and be like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes like I'd leave work and then go to Steak and Shake by myself or with friends, depending on who's up. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, that was like a weird year because it was like I left school. I was working at UPS. I was then I got a job at Meyer. I left Meyer to go to Guitar Center. And then I worked at Guitar Center in UPS. And there was a weird day where I was like, okay, I definitely should reconsider like having both jobs. And it was kind of one of those moments where I'm like, I had shipped something out at UPS or at Guitar Center, and then I saw it being unloaded while I was at UPS. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this this feels weird. <laughs> Be it on was both just like. Ends of it. Uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, no, these jobs shouldn't relate in any way. I was also sick of working nights because it was only three hours a night. I mean, I should have stayed there realistically because they had great benefits and it was an easy job. But I left UPS, just worked at Guitar Center, and then I worked at Guitar Center to the hospital. And then I worked at the hospital, worked really hard, and then... This was kind of like the first job I kind of questioned things because it was like I worked in the dish room, then I got promoted to the kitchen. But I didn't get a raise for going into the kitchen. And you know how I got a raise? There were two conversations I had with other employees that were taken out of context, and it was presented like I was telling people to quit. And while the higher-ups of the company we worked for, because we worked for a contracted company because mm-hmm. you know the hospital's garbage and you know outsources everything but the medical staff. The higher ups in there, and they talked to them about getting me a raise, and he acted like he couldn't do anything about it. And I was like, that was my first like instance of feeling like exploited because I was like, I've been doing this a while and I've getting no raise, and it's because I also got denied a raise during review time because I didn't have a great attitude because I wasn't getting paid more. <laughs> so they took that as we're not going to pay you more anyway. 
I was like, oh, okay. You're upset that you're not getting paid enough to survive? Well, we're going to go ahead and make sure that you don't get paid enough to survive. <laughs> what type of fucking solution is that? Yeah, and it was just... Uh, and I actually, I left that job because... I mean, things were going downhill, but I had uh, I had a friend there, and I told him, I was like, if you quit, let me know, because I'm leaving too. He told me when he was he was going to put his two weeks, it was like the middle of the week, one week. He's like, I'm putting it on Monday. That Saturday, I got a new job. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up putting it in. So I put it in. He put his in Monday. I put mine in Tuesday, and another person put theirs in Wednesday. So it was just like, just dominoes, just like three people leaving and uh, i went to sears and that was another instance of like wow this system sucks because working for sears is garbage and i have no problem saying that on air better than better man than me dude i do not give two weeks notices companies fire people on the spot all the time so i dip out when i dip out see i always leave because they can't afford to like lose me (laughs) Mm. i also so i do this thing where i transition i don't even take any time off i transition and work the other job if there are different shifts so I actually had a week where I I think I actually had one or two weeks where I worked at the hospital and Sears simultaneously just because I was like, I want the extra money. And then uh, Sears sucked. It was like it wasn't even it was boring. I mean, no one really shops at Sears anymore. And also I was in electronics and we kept getting planograms that were like minimizing the department. And after I left, I found out they just got rid of it all together. <laughs> yeah. No one buys electronics. Dude, there were so many times where people were like, you guys sell video games? No, Best Buy does. Go down the street. God damn. <laughs> uh, your primary business model is to tell someone to go somewhere else to buy shit because you don't offer anything. They're like, uh, you guys got computers? Nah, Best Buy does. <laughs> I felt bad, though, because there are people. So the big thing that I really hated about Sears was um, Sears.com is a lot of third-party vendors. And we have people bring in, like, used iPods they bought from a third party from Sears to try to return them because it didn't work. And we're like, we can't do anything. You have to literally find out who that distributor was and talk to them. Yeah. There were also other things like, uh, so they forced us to do transactions on tablets, even though we had cash registers. I don't, I don't, I've, I very much so dislike when companies do this ridiculous crap. Cause they're trying to, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to stay modern and like with the, with the times technologically speaking, you know, so they, they implement all this new bullshit to try to be like, Oh look, customers, we're all, you know, we're ahead of the pack, you know, we got uh, all these fancy new devices that you can use while we're in the store or whatever, and it just ends up being a fucking headache, and then you have the old heads coming in trying to buy shit, and they don't know how to work it, so you have to basically buy shit for them. Well, no, it's, we had to, so this is how it worked, we had to scan it on the tablet, we do the transaction ourselves, but we had to connect with the cash register. What's the point? <laughs> like, So this is what I found out, apparently... When you do transaction on a tablet, they count as Sears.com transactions. They were inflating their .com numbers to make that seem successful and more appealing. I was like, oh, okay. So this is, this is a whole numbers thing. You want to be able to say, oh, we do this much in Sears.com to try to maybe make that more valuable. Okay. At least that was my hypothesis on it. But yeah, I left. Uh, also, uh, they scheduled me for Black Friday, right? Uh, 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving. So I get to hang out with my family for a little bit and then have to go to work. And then so I left at midnight and then I was the first one back in at like five in the morning. Uh, that's something I'm never going to understand, like as like not, not even like uh, as an individual employer, but like 
everyone here in America. Like, why the fuck do we do Black Friday? Why is that a thing? I don't even know anymore. Like, at, th- at this point, I feel like everybody's just got to be aware that, like, it's it's just exploitation, you know? There's no reason for me to go charging into a fucking store Thursday night or Friday or whatever just to buy something that's at a discount just so a company can make more profits. Like, come on now. I don't need the shit that bad. Oh, there aren't even any really good discounts anymore. Right. And anything you anything you could cop on like Black Friday, like you could just wait and get on Cyber Monday or some shit because we have a name for every fucking day. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, because I was first in, I was first out, and then after I left, the POS system went down, and they couldn't actually run transactions. Mm-hmm. I was like, That's good. Right there. I also think that was my last week, if I remember correctly. But yeah, so yeah, I just had like, those two jobs in a row were like, all right, jobs suck. Oh, so there was just a lot of like, drama in the hospital, because it you know, it's like high school all over again, and it was just, yeah. It's because it was, it's a hospital, and everybody wants to feel like they're living in Grey's Anatomy. But we worked in like the kitchen, though. This was like we were in charge of the food. It was stupid. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's at a hospital. People are like, "Look at me! I work in a hospital. Let's get into some hijinks with the doctors." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just awful. I don't know. So, <laughs> I feel like if I worked at a hospital, I'd start. I'd start fucking around like the cast of Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> that, see, that'd be that'd be more fun. So, yeah, after that, I – and Sears was really a transitional job. So, I actually also – I had a friend that worked there, and I had a different impression going in there than, like, what it ended up being. Because he was telling me he was working overtime, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, another full-time job. I get there, it's it's only part-time, and if you go over part-time, they only do it for so often until they have to bump you down so they can't hire you – so they aren't forced to hire you full-time and give you benefits. Mm-hmm. I also worked six days a week, part time, twenty nine hours over six days. That's the that's just gross. Like that, that, <laughs> I had that, Wednesdays off. That's genuinely upset. See, that's the shit I don't understand. Is like when people take part time jobs and it's like they work seven days a week, but they work like three hours a day. It's like why the fuck? How is that beneficial for your schedule? Work literally anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, dude, I, I needed to get out. Like this, I had an in, so I just took it. And then uh, I ended up where at my previous job, which I'm not going to give many details because knowing the owner, if he ever found out, he probably would try to sue me. <laughs> just knowing him. It's one of them. But oh, it's funny because I like I interviewed and um, when I got the email that I got the job, I was just so happy. And I literally I was <laughs> I was talking to somebody. I told them I was leaving. I got a new job. And then I saw our manager and I called him. I was like, hey, man, got something to tell you. He's like, are you leaving us? I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. James looks happy today. He's leaving, isn't he? <laughs> no, nah, dude. Uh, who's that man? His name was Tony. He was actually really cool. He was he was actually a really good manager. I had actually had a good experience with him. He was also disappointed when I left. He was like. Like he even told me because I had to sign something before I left, and he was like, "Yeah, he pretty much was like, yeah, I, I I hate seeing good employees go." But then that series got demolished because it went under. So yeah, so I have this you know new job, and it's actually going pretty well. It was down the street from where I was living at the time, so I was like, "Cool, I don't have to like burn up gas doing it." And uh, you know, it was a small local company, and it was a company that showed promise, and you know, clearly it was going to grow. And I think that was my downfall 
was because I believed in the hype of growing with the company when I didn't. Because <laughs> it's so wild how... Because by the end of it, just more and more work and more and more responsibilities got piled on. And we'd expand. But my paycheck wouldn't match that. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's I feel like it's always this, like concept that like i i hate to say it it's like predatory and it's not in all small businesses but i see it in a lot of them where you know the uh the ceo founder or visionary if they want to call themselves that will will say things like oh we got to make sacrifices so the the company can grow so they'll like justify not giving you like raises and whatever they 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 make these claims while they're pulling down six figures you know uh, (laughs) off of everyone's labor it's like, oh no, we're all we're all sacrificing so the company can thrive. It's like, okay, well, you're living in the lap of luxury relatively while I'm out here living paycheck to paycheck. So how exactly are you sacrificing? Well, it was crazy because I started there at ten fifty. And then after a year and some change, I got a two dollar raise. And that that's like a good raise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, you know, so we're going through and it was like I remember this was a time we were also had we like so the person I started with who was my manager, I was with him for a couple years and then he left because he wanted to find something different because of issues he was having with his company. Just person was he was having. So I was like, okay, he left. And then we got somebody else in who was there for like a couple months and was just awful. And then they ended up having to get a surgery that would like put them out of commission for a few weeks. So they just like parted ways with that person. And that's when Ethan took over, who if you're a long time listener to the pod, uh my former manager, Ethan Pomfret, was a guest, and we talked to him. And, you know, we kind of had to turn it around. And then it came to be where we were needed to hire somebody else. And it was so difficult because I realized that we weren't paying enough to start to convince people to come here because I think they were still doing the 1050 to start. Because I literally talked to all you guys in our friend group. I was like, hey, you want a job? And everybody was like, what's the pay? And I was like, it's this. And they're like, what are raises? Like, I'm like, about that, there really isn't like any sort of structure. And everyone's like, no. Yeah, it's funny. So we ended up we ended up getting a guy, and then at some point they changed it. They said this whole thing how the starting pay is now twelve dollars an hour, and after a year you get ramped up to thirteen. And what happens? I get bumped up to the thirteen. Mind you, I've been there over a year. I'm at like three years at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like, huh, that's interesting. And then there was claims there was going to be cost of living raises, which really didn't happen that often. Uh, I ended up getting bumped up to thirteen twenty, and then my final raise was up to fourteen. I think towards the end of twenty nineteen, maybe if I remember correctly. And it's funny because I actually plugged it into a, an inflation calculator, and I was just so disappointed because it makes you realize like how inflation was really is like how bad it really is. So when I actually plugged it in, fourteen dollars now is the equivalent to. 1238 back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Well, holy sh- wait, hold on. $14. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> what? That definitely not it, chief. If we if we flipped it, I'm sorry for anyone listening who makes $14 an hour right now. With inflation Leave. from 2019 to 2022, that $14 an hour is equivalent to 1583. But mind you, I was there for six years. I should have been making more than that. 
So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my journey. And I was like, and it was just like the accumulation of like all the work we were getting and just like, there were just so many other things we were getting piled on. I was like, I can't do this. I was like driving an hour back and forth, never having time for anything other than maybe getting some chores done. So basically you realize you weren't getting paid shit and you were doing like two jobs for people who didn't, you know, appreciate the effort. Yeah, that's a, that's a wake up call. Definitely. Yeah, and it, well, also I also want to get into. So it was always a running joke at the company how much PTO I had because I was literally the only. I'm pretty sure I had the best ten attendance out of anybody. Period. But there's two reasons for that. One, I didn't want to take a day off because anytime I had time off, it would just be double work the next day. So it mm-hmm. wasn't even a day off. Why should I work twice as hard the next day? But also at the same time, it's like we should have some sort of redundancy to where people don't have to pick up the slack. Cause it's not like, like I always, yeah, cause it would always be said, it's like, Oh, we should be able to pick up the slack of whoever's not here. And I was like, are you giving me their pay for the day? Dude, for real. Any, anytime. Okay. So for like any system uh, of workers, let's say a task requires 10 people. I feel like you should staff 12 minimum, no matter what. Like you got to account for people requesting time off and then people calling in. Yeah. Definitely. That's what I've always, I've always kind of maintained that it's like, you should have some sort of thing in place. Like it doesn't hurt to have an extra employee. It it hurts the profit margins that they want to have, but that what's that got to do with me? I don't, I don't co-own any part of this company. I don't have a percentage of that. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's like a really small, like really small, like year one company, I could understand not staffing redundancy because it's like you're at a point where you're barely balancing the, the checkbooks, you know, but like for anything that's existed long enough, like, I mean, how many people work for like, uh, you know, a several million or like even a billion dollar company? You know, and they don't staff redundancies. It's like, really? You can't afford the like extra thirty-eight, forty thousand dollars just to, you know, pay one extra person to be here just to make sure shit goes smoothly? Like you don't think that that translates to an increase in productivity or like a reduce in waste because we have a team that's gonna function at all times? It's always the only it's like the way they want to save money is just by not staffing people. It's like you do realize like if you actually made your company run at a level of a fit of proper efficiency, like you're going to be saving money by that. I don't think the answer is like, let's have the least amount of people so that our margins are great. And it's like, or you could, you know, actually make it so the business can sustain itself without exploiting people. Like It just doesn't make any sense. It's like, is, is one person, is one or two people really going to cut into your profit margin that much? Well, I mean, that like $40,000 that uh that they don't have to pay someone, that's uh that's them booking, you know, uh, a reservation at, uh, you know, a, a golf club for like months on end. <laughs> no, that's all, the pe- that's all the pizza parties they can give us throughout the year. What are you talking about? That's not salary. That's just tax deductible. That's free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well also um me not taking vacation was also kind of a form of protection which came in handy when i got covid and was like not working for a couple weeks because i wasn't trying to hassle with unemployment again it also wouldn't have been my full paycheck and i'm I'm getting my full paycheck honestly plus i was always like i need to burn through all this before i leave because they didn't pay out pto so i was like i'm burning this up so yeah um 
yeah, in September of last year, I that was my last month, and I was like, I need to get out of here. I've got other things I got to work on, and just I need to be able to take care of the house and do other things, and just not squander all my time away from work. You know, I think it's it it just really showed me working all the time is not the move. Like we shouldn't have to be subjected to working our lives away for the sake of other people, and then when we don't, they get mad. Like it's any of our problem mm-hmm. if any of these corporations succeed. Man, all I got to say is like, there are good parts and bad bad parts of it, but like in general, fuck whoever it created grind culture. <laughs> it's not for the general laborer. Like if you have it's, a like, it's fine for like an entrepreneur, but like as soon as you're like, oh yeah, stay on that grind, work that overtime for someone else. No. Fuck out my face. Oh, there's a particular manager who who would like talk about overtime like it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to make more money. And it's like, or you could just pay people enough. Or you could just go make money doing anything else. Yeah. Like, how valuable is your time? It's like, oh, oh we're going to pay you time and a half. Well, time and a half of $12 is fucking 18 bucks. All right, that ain't shit. For a whole hour? Think about it. What could you do with an hour? All right, well, yeah, so uh, that's my story. Uh, we're going to take a quick break real quick, and then uh, Greg's going to tell his own little story. So if you got that water, chug it. And we're back. Yeah, yeah, round two. Yeah, so uh, I got to tell my little story of uh, how things kind of evolved and escalated to where I am now. And now Greg gets to tell his story. Yeah, I don't think my story is all that entertaining or <laughs> or that in-depth. I, I try to keep things as simple as possible. But no, I guess my change in perspective started about uh, four or five years into my first workplace experience. When I was delivering appliances, and my God, was that backbreaking work! Like I still feel the pain of some of the shit I did all these years later. Well, now you got time to repair that, <laughs> yes, sir. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can rehabilitate it, but repairing it's probably going to cost money. That's probably going to require surgery. But anyways, I don't know. I thought I had it made doing that job you know i i started off you know working for like relatives basically um i only worked monday through thursday you know four days so it sounds great initially but it was always like at least 12 hours of my day gone every single day so i was working a full-time job and just 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 doing that you know and i didn't think that it was an issue because, like, I had tried a uh, a temp position at, like, a, a packaging warehouse prior where I was, you know, making, like, I think at the time it was, like, $8 an hour, you know. Coming from having nothing, no job, I was like, oh, this ain't bad, you know. This is a decent amount of money. I can buy some dumb shit with this. I don't really have responsibilities. I got this one, the the appliance gig, and they sold me on a flat rate, right? They're like, we'll give you $100 a day, you know, um, and we'll pay you under the table, you know, so I didn't pay taxes. 
committing tax fraud at an early age. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, I got paid under under the table. Let me just say that in case the IRS somehow listens to this podcast. <laughs> but no, um I just uh so yeah, I was I was I was doing pretty pretty good there, you know, making four, maybe five hundred dollars, you know, plus tips if a customer is tipped, which is kind of surprising. Um But after a while I kinda realized like, man, I'm really putting in a lot of work here doing this. And, you know, I don't really ask for much in return. You know, I make a, a decent amount of money for the time. Um, I kind of had the first perspective shift when I realized that people saw all the hard shit I was doing and looked at it like it wasn't nothing, you know. And I mean to say this in, in a frame of, like, I would deliver, you know, $4,000 worth of fancy-ass merchandise to a nice home in the suburbs, you know, and they'd be like, oh, thanks, can you just carry it all in here and install, blah, 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 whatever, you know, do what we do. And then, you know, because they're getting, like, a new fridge or whatever, maybe it's, like, a new build, they don't have a kitchen yet. They had ordered pizza, you know, for dinner. Pizza Boy shows up, <laughs> hands up their pizza, gets a fucking $20 tip. We just did all of this, and they're like, alright, see ya, bye, thanks, <laughs> you know? I'm like... Wow. <laughs> I was like, damn, do they know how little I make? Like... <laughs> probably think you get paid a lot yeah honestly they're like oh well it costs so much you must get compensated no (laughs) no i promise you no worker anywhere gets paid what they're worth not one anyways but no i mean it's not like i'm 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 out here begging for tips you know i may do but that kind of showed me that like the general perspective on like laborers or like anybody who isn't like what's isn't like uh a white collar job you know, is very, very negative, you know, it's like, oh, well, you're just unskilled or skilled labor, or like, you're a tradesman or whatever, you know, the opinion of you is very low, so I stopped giving a fuck about people in general, and I became very, like, about me and about my grind and not caring about other people, so I did well for myself, you know, (laughs) Well enough to blow a whole bunch of money in one summer like an idiot instead of doing something smart with it. It happens. And then I was like, all right, I'm working myself to the bone. This shit's dead. I'm over it. So I'm going to go get me a nice little easy manufacturing gig. And I went and did that. And that was, that was, a, that was a pretty solid change of pace for a while. You know, it was very relaxing. I mean, my first week, I was walking around like, "Damn, y'all get paid for this?" Because <laughs> it was that much easier. And I and I kind of realized right there, I was like, "So this is the uh, this is the cheat code. You don't have to work hard. You just have to be smart about where you work." Yeah. Or at least you know that's the balm for the uh, the open wound of the working class. But I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this, anyways. <laughs> I guess that's when I realized that uh that this 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 working for someone else for someone else's profit shit just ain't for me. Yeah, it's not fun. But I didn't really have like a plan, so I kind of just dealt with it for a few years. Did you have any other jobs besides that one? I mean, I did, but they were all pretty much the same, you know. I I could be like, "Oh, well, I left this place and I went to this other one for like six months or whatever, but it was, it was all generally the same, you know, some sort of manufacturing environment. Cause I, I feel like that's something that I just understood well. 
Yeah, because I think before you moved in with us, weren't you in between jobs at the time? Yeah. Essentially, it's like I'd go to one manufacturing place, realize I didn't like it there. Or, well, actually, what happened was I went to my first one. And because it was my first one, I was like, okay, well, this is pretty solid. But, you know, I've never experienced anything outside of this. You know, so as soon as somebody offered me something else, I was like, okay, well, let me go check it out, see if the grass is greener, you know. And it ended up being more or less the same. Just the day-in, day-out, mindless, repetitive tasks, which I don't generally mind. But, you know, it's the people in the environment that tend to push me out of a location. Was this the place where the um, self-proclaimed visionary was? (laughs) That was one of them. No, that one lasted that one lasted all of like a week and a half, I think. Uh that was a huge red flag, you know. Showing up for their orientation and they're talking about the corporate structure. Yeah, the visionary. I was like, the CEO? It's like, yeah, he calls himself the visionary. I was like, okay. It's like Elon calling himself the techno king of Tesla. Dude, for real. (laughs) And then he just ended up going back to that first one. Yeah, because I was like, dude, it's the best of a shit situation. I was kind of lost at that point in my life. I didn't really know where to go, what to do, what which way was up. All I knew is I didn't want to suffer to survive. And then oh, in the midst of that, we kind of started formulating the idea that would become this podcast. Kind of just got you know sick of everyone saying, oh, we should have a podcast, we should have a podcast, we should have a podcast. Because our conversations are so interesting. I was like, I don't see it, but all right. <laughs> and, uh, but then, you know, you know, I was living with you and Callie, and I was like, fuck it. I'm pulling the trigger, goddammit. I'm sick of everyone saying we should this and we should that, and no one's doing. And I, you know, happen to have a home recording studio. I think that that was the major, the major important change in perspective. Like everything prior was just kind of like shifting me like three degrees to the left, you know, away from the, 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 the future with like no future. But as soon as we did that and like more than one person, like more than not me, like listen to, to listen to the show. I was like, all right, there's the light at the end of the tunnel. There's something in this. Well, yeah, because w- when we started talking about it, it's like I can tell it's like you know, you see, you seemed like more intrigued than you'd seemed anybody else coming up with that idea. But then I think once we recorded after that, what was it like after that first recording? Um, after that first recording, uh, I th- so that's that same day after the first recording. Like I didn't say anything about this, but like I went, I went into my room and I just you know went back to doing what I do. And I kind of had this, like, small epiphany, you know, because, like, I, you know, there's plenty of other people out here, you know, getting, making a living, you know, having a, a podcast or doing whatever. I mean, there's people out here like Joe Rogan, you know, six figures a year off a podcast. I had a little thought to myself, and I was like, damn, I could really get paid for what I just did over there, and I enjoyed that shit. That's it. I got to do something about this. <laughs> and that that kind of taught me that you can do something you enjoy and make a living off of it. It doesn't have to be like you're producing commodities or like you're performing a service. Like, yeah, we need stuff like that in the economy. You know, we need people to do the tasks that need to be done. But the tasks are so streamlined and efficient that do we really need a enormous workforce doing it 
No, we have we we've modernized working to the point that we can free it up so that we can have more artists. We can have more um, uh, entertainment driven people. We can we can have more than just the workers' toil to exist. You know, leisure can be your source of, uh, or leisure can be your gainful employment. Yeah. Recorded those demos. They had like a small audience. You had a little test audience. And then we launched. And yeah, we had a lot, quite a few people who were about it. Uh, so so much so that uh, we ended up releasing merchandise that some people actually bought. <laughs> that 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 surprised me. I was not expecting people to be like about it enough to want merch. But you know, proud of it. <laughs> you know, when people ask me, "Oh, well, you 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 started a podcast. Are you profitable?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, we're profitable." <laughs> Even though that was really the only money we made for that, like small span of time i mean it's the only money we've attempted to make though too you know we haven't done anything else we haven't tried to monetize anything else yeah well because we had all these plans and the pandemic hit but that was kind of another shift in perspective it was uh not working Mm -hmm. which i only had four weeks but uh you had quite a bit of time to kind of reflect and uh what not yeah to be introspective yeah. i don't know my story is not like cohesive and like i could have like pre-wrote this and like had it planned out but i feel like that's dishonest because it's not it's not the person i am as as <laughs> as much rambling as this story's gonna have or has had or as incongruent as it sounds that's that's how i think you know so that's that's how i wanted to portray it but anyways yeah, spent a lot of time thinking, doing, vibing, realizing that uh, that this th- that the life presented to me wasn't good enough. I think the main thing I kind of wanted to get into was uh, what happened going back, because it seems like you know going back and leading up to now there was kind of something else that happened. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Now I remember the point. All right, sick. <laughs> no yeah so i went back to work you know i went back to work like i was 18 again bright-eyed and ready to grind um (laughs) and i was working like mad overtime for a while and you know i was just like nose to the grindstone you know not worrying about anything just trying to trying to get ahead you know my car took a crap on me so i bought a new one and i was resolved i was like I had to finance it because I didn't really have any other choice at the at the point. I was like, I refuse to pay for this thing for like three and a half, four years. I'm going to get it done in one. You know? And so I did that. And then now that I had put all that extra effort into like freeing myself from debt completely and like just realizing that I can pick a goal and go for it and get it done no problem. I was like, all right, I've got my expenses down. My car's paid off. It's in good shape. I don't have anything to worry about. Um, I've been dealing with a lot of like mental health issues lately. I even talked to a therapist, so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna reduce myself down to part time, so I have time to manage my own life, you know, and to and to decompress and to think about the future." And so I started that, 
and boy howdy fucking four days off will change your life (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what it is but it's like you know like let's say you work five days a week and you have the two-day weekend something about you know using saturday to wind down and then i always use sunday to wind up like get everything ready for the week i felt like there was no real time off but now i have a big enough buffer that like I'll wind down on Friday, and then Saturday starts up, and I'm like, well, what the fuck do I do? Oh, that's right. Be productive. Do something so I don't have to do any of this ever again. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's that's my one, my one perspective shift that, like, another minor epiphany was, like, why the hell go for shit that you don't need? You know, why work full-time when you can survive on part-time? Like, it doesn't cost you anything to use your your free time for extracurriculars to try to create uh, a better future for yourself. You know, I mean, unless you're talking about like going to school so you can chase a career. But I feel like there's plenty of opportunities to, you know, subvert the cost of living, you know, like, I hate to say it, but like you can get a loan for an education. But, you know, realizing that I didn't need to work the full time meant that I'd have more time to create more time if that makes sense yeah no i get that it's kind of a. it's interesting because i kind of was thinking i was like what what would what would the course of history have taken had you not gone back to work i have no idea man i I try not to dwell on like what ifs because i feel like i'll just depress myself you know because i'll just hit those like well what if i did this that and the other thing that would have made me rich it's like well can't really think about that the time is coming coming gone obviously no it's like i just kind of think it's like it's like what would uh because if you didn't go back it's like i don't know maybe the pod would i mean the pod would have never left (laughs) no but yeah, no, it's, it's just interesting because it was like it was like you know it kind of it took for you going back to work to for you to be like okay I definitely need to not go back to this. You can't. <laughs> this is, this is sound a little fucked up. You can't fear the whip without feeling its lash once. That th- no, I get that. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I couldn't I couldn't be like motivated to 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 be out here on the grinder to start the podcast back up like. If it weren't for going back to work, I wouldn't have had this renewed vigor to like want to do the podcast and to want to get back into streaming and to want to do other stuff. Felt like I got too comfortable. So I feel like that's probably going to be like my routine from like now until the day that I die. You know, even if I become like wildly successful and like I'm living in the lap of luxury, I'll probably be that guy who's like, all right, I'm going to go work at like a manufacturing plant for a year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just to make myself appreciate the shit I have and to like want to keep doing the shit that I do. Well, I always kind of, I've been kind of boiling it down to this philosophy. It's not even really a philosophy. So I kind of noticed if you've, if you're the type of person who's kind of like fast tracked themselves or avoided the general labor life or like the service industry life, I think you're at a disadvantage because you know you don't ever want to be there. But if you've worked it, you understand why you don't want to or want to make it so you shouldn't have to go back. Yeah. If, if all you've ever done was something that's outside of that that was actually put you at a place where you could avoid it, it's like you don't really have the full perspective of like, 
why it sucks. It's why people who like, you know, like it's like people who have their college paid for and then walk into like nice jobs. It's like, they don't understand because they don't have that perspective of like, yeah, it sucks out here for us. Like smaller people. Dude, that's what I'm saying, man. Like it's, it's like the retail environment. You, like I've never personally worked retail, so I will never understand how bad it is. But all I hear is the stories, but like you don't, you don't appreciate not working retail until you've worked retail. You know, it's like I was saying, you, you don't fear the the whip unless you felt the lash. Yeah. And it's, I've, you know, I left, I left the working world after 15 years. That's why it's like, you know, all the young people trying to avoid it. I, honestly, it's like as much as I think everybody should definitely avoid it if you can. It is not the time to be working these jobs because these places are proving they don't appreciate us. And also a lot of these jobs aren't even necessary. We've, we've ingrained this idea that we need to work all the time for what i think the majority of the u.s economy is like uh what's it called um un- unnecessary goods like we create um shit that people don't need like if you if you like looked at the the stores nearby like around wherever you're like primary shopping places if you looked at all of the stores and looked at what is necessary to continue your life and what is superfluous like how many businesses would disappear if you got rid of all the extra this shit is not needed. I don't need fucking Froyo year round. Like, <laughs> come on. I remember there was, uh, oh, what was it? Somebody, something happened to some business, and it was this like couple who was selling like America themed merchandise. I was like, we don't need that. I don't feel bad that you're not making money right now because it's like that's not necessary for society. Profiting off of nationalism is just garbage move anyway. But it's just like. There's just so many things in it, but at the same time, it's like this idea. It's like, well, you got to work. Why? And we'll we'll get into more detail. We'll get into more nuanced conversations about the working world because it's like, you know, I, I definitely want to talk about automation soon because the fact that it's been used as a threat for so long, but companies are kind of admitting that they're they've kind of waited too long for it to justify the cost of it for for the people that fear automation, um. You can automate a lot of things, but as soon as a task gets like intricate or uh, sufficiently complex, it is literally impossible for a machine to do it. So there's no fear there. Even if we were like 200 years in the future and we basically automated everything, there were there will still be a need for the human element to uh, to to fine tune whatever process it is or to be able to think like and. A, a machine can't look at what it's doing and make an assessment and predict an outcome on the level that a human can. So people will always be needed. Oh, definitely. I mean, at the very least, use automation to reduce everybody's hours. Don't need We don't need three shifts around the clock, eight hours. <laughs> which isn't even including like prep and commute time, which is unpaid. That is my incredibly... Uh, incoherent tale of how my perspective shift shifted. I'm proud of you if you stuck through all of that, and I'm sure all everyone's proud that you came to this conclusion. Yeah, that one was kind of funny. I was still shocked when you told me that you went down to part time. I was just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I had never had a part time gig in my life. Hits 29. Yeah, I'll go part time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and it's uh, it's for the better because you seem Dude, just just infinitely happier that you got the four day weekend. Mm-hmm. 
And it frees up time for you to bring back the stream. Which I'm excited for because any of those old clips you posted, are there? those were hilarious. Yeah, I got to get back to that. It, it turns out, everyone listening, the key to happiness is doing the shit you want to do. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> happiness is what you make it, not what your employer tries to decide for you. Well, yeah. So, I guess that's the show. Um you don't already you can follow us on all social media well not all social media we're on facebook instagram and twitter pts pod if you want to follow let's be real facebook instagram twitter that's all social media yeah well i'm saying not like all of them though like we're not on tiktok yet oh yeah so i'm I'm gonna be working on that i gotta get in the swing of things because like i'm not used to doing this show (laughs) quite yet (laughs) have we've been gone a while i gotta get used to it again uh, if you want to follow anything I'm doing individually, uh, at BTQ Paul, uh, I am on TikTok. I've only posted like just a few things. I already have on my Instagram on there, but uh, definitely trying to get into that more. I haven't really been putting out much. What's this? You've become a TikToker? <laughs> Insane. Insanity. TikTok is <laughs> awesome. I love TikTok. <laughs> uh, if you want to listen to me more, that isn't the show. You can listen to my show, The K-Cut. Uh, it's all about film, nothing else. Um, all our social medias are under the K-Cut. And yeah, uh, Greg will be bringing his stream back soon. That's going to be fun. Yes, sir. If you don't at least listen to one episode of the K-Cut, I will lose all respect for you and slap you. <laughs> I, mean, I said it. I, 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 I mean, yeah, you, you, you took it there, so I guess we'll run with that energy. You better listen to that other show. <laughs> no, it's fun. We have uh, 80 episodes, I think. So there's plenty to listen to if you don't already. So, yeah. Well, that's the show, everybody. And we're signing off. And as I always say at the end of each episode, collaboration breeds community. Stay hustling. Stay hydrated. Peace. Peace.